Hey, welcome back to the Life Learners Podcast. Hope you're doing well today. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about a couple couple topics. Um, today, I wanted to talk about this really incredible 50, 5270 from Pathetic Philippe that was um, released and will be auctioned off. It's a unique piece, uh, 5270, um, that will be auctioned off at the Children Action Gala in November. And then I also wanted to talk about something that Max Boozer brought up about policing the secondhand market for for watches that are being sold for more than what they are retailing for those are going to be the two topics for today if you want new to live from this podcast be sure to follow us if you like these types of podcasts we discuss all kinds of topics in 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 the watch world so i'd love to have you um be a part of the discussion so i'll start off with the the 5270 because i think this is a a pretty um pretty interesting watch so they, Patek Philippe announced that they are releasing a 5270 in titanium. It is a unique piece, um, 5270, and features a incredible emerald green sunburst dial, which is not something that you see very often on Patek Philippe watches. Now, if you don't know, the 5270 is um, their perpetual calendar chronograph, which is hailed as easily one of the best watches um, I guess in classical watchmaking terms, one of the best watches uh, that is currently in production. Um, the watch itself um, is, I mean, really, it's the perfect retro calendar chronograph. I think something that people forget about Patek Philippe is, or probably not, they probably don't forget about it, um, but what makes them such a, a respected watch company, watch manufacturer, is the idea that every bit of their watches is essentially perfect. Um, one of the things that I love about Patek Philippe dials is the proportions of the watch, the watch is the watches that they produce are essentially perfection. Um, sometimes when you look at a watch, sub dials can throw off the, the configuration because they feel a little bit too big or a little bit too small. Um, maybe the text on the dial feels a little bit too big. Hour markers feel a little bit off, but on Patek Philippe watches in, in particular, the 5270, the proportions of the dial of this watch are absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, it's a perpetual calendar. So you have the day of the week and the month at, uh, you have uh, windows at, at 12 o'clock. You then have your second subdial at nine o'clock. You have your chronograph 30 minute counter on at the right subdial. You have a leap year indicator um, below the 30 minute counter. You then have a moon phase and a day of the month um, indicator in the subdial at six o'clock. You have your chronograph hand, hours and minutes hand, um, all cased in, in uh, a wonderfully um, proportioned um, proportioned uh, case that is the 5270. What's even more incredible, you turn that watch over, you have a beautiful display case back where you can see the movement of the, of the watch. I think I've spoken about the 5270 at length. Um, <clears throat> there are so many uh, interesting 5270s that you're that are that are interesting to get you, get your hands on that you can hold and try on i think one of the ones that i've tried on recently was a 5270 um with a salmon dial which is kind of like next level 5270 i think salmon dials have become very popular recently and it was really a, a phenomenal piece to to put on the wrist especially once you feel the proportions of the watch on your wrist you realize how just perfect it really is now this 5270 is in titanium. Patek Philippe does not create a lot of watches that are cased in titanium. They have made a couple 
pieces in the past, um, but they don't use titanium um, in great amounts. Most of the time they're for charity auctions, like only watch they had a Sky Moon Turbion that sold at Sotheby's. Um, they had a couple watches that they sold, a 5004 and a 5208 that were sold at only watch in 2013, 2017. But, you know, the, the volumes of these pieces that they're producing are, are very, very few. And so to have a 5270 in titanium is already a unique opportunity for someone to, to get their hands on this piece. Now, the, the color of this dial actually reminds me very heavily of something that H. Moser and BNF would actually produce. It's this emerald green, but it, it almost has this bluish hue to it that gives it such a un unique look to it. You have to see pictures. I'll put a link in the I'll put links in the uh, show notes for you to be able to see some of the, some of the um, some images of this pic the, this watch because it really is um, so unique. But they produ they're producing this watch and it's going to be sold at the children's auction. Now the children children's auction was found in 1994, and it's basically a charity dedicated to making a difference in the lives of impoverished children around the world. Every two years, the, the charity hosts a, a gala that auctions off a small selection of goods to support the charity's various causes. It isn't, there aren't always watches that are auctioned at, at, these, uh, at, these, um, at, this, at this gala, but um, this year, the, um, this Patek Philippe will be, will be part of it. The watch also comes on a really cool, just to go back to the watch really quickly, black strap with really cool emerald green stitching on it. So you're getting a lot more accents on this. I, I can 100% see this uh, being the most expensive 5270 ever sold at auction um, for its uniqueness, unique uh, case metal, and just how darn cool it is. Uh, it's going to a good cause as well. So that obviously does sometimes bump up uh, things. But I think what's really interesting about this, and uh, maybe my final comment on this, is the uh, th this idea that um, Patek Philippe is kind of playing around with, with dial colors. Now, they are doing it in sort of limited production runs. Obviously, the 5711 was a, was a good idea, good example of the, the Tiffany blue dial. This sort of emerald green, bluish green uh, watch is another good example of them playing around with, with dial colors. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe we'll see more of this in, in, in the future. Obviously, it will probably be limited production runs because um, that really, obviously, is going to create a lot of demand. You think of Patek Philippe, you think of very classical watchmaking, but these are really interesting sort of unique unique colors that they're, that they're taking, taking a look at. I'm looking forward to see, seeing what this watch ends up going for. The um, auction is, or I guess the gala and the auction is just taking place on November 7th, 2022. Um, so we'll stay tuned to see what ends up happening with that piece. So one other thing I wanted to talk about during this podcast was this idea about policing the secondhand market for watches that were sold uh, and are set and are listed for more than what the MSRP are for, for those pieces. Now, the reason why this I'm, I'm discussing this topic is I watched an interview of Max Boozer recently. And he was discussing how, um, well, really the great success that the Mad One Red Edition had. And um, one of the things that it was uh, interviewed by Waco and he was asking um, Max about this. And, and, you know, those watches, I think, are uh, 3,000 Swiss francs, I think, 
and now they're selling on this there are a lot that are selling on the secondhand market for oh i mean i think i saw some for 20,000 usd which is around let's just say 20,000 swiss francs which is way more than than what what the msrp are for them and and max's reaction was um he was frustrated you know i think i think the team at mbnf produced this to really provide a, a, a an entry point for some people who maybe cannot afford the high horology pieces that they're actually making because they are relative you know relatively um expensive uh, for, for for anyone um and so the, the mad one is really a, a way to say like thanks for your support here's something that you can afford but then people turn around acquire the watch and then end up selling it for trying to sell it for for more than what it, you know they acquired it for and so max sort of expressed some frustration and he sp he said that his team at mbnf sort of started to try and play detective to figure out you know who was selling who's selling them um, who was uh, basically flipping these watches and not really enjoying the idea of, you know, owning the piece uh, as it is. But something interesting that he said was, you know, they spent a lot of time trying to police it, but they ended, but they then decided to sort of just say enough is enough. And the reason is because he said, you know, the 5% of folks who are, actually um you know if you look at the, the people who were able to get the watch probably about 95 percent of the, the people who, who were able to get the watch have kept it they're owning it they're they're enjoying it and that's the reason why the mad one was produced for them to do so but the five percent of people who didn't who are now flipping those pieces for way more than than they really should be um it's not worth spending the time and energy and trying to, you know, play detective and, and, and catch those people out on the, for, for flipping the pieces. It's really just a, a waste of time. And he wants to spend time, he said, you know, he wants his team spending time on creating new pieces and focusing on the 95% of people who are actually going to enjoy the pieces for themselves and keep them in their collection. And I thought this was a really interesting concept because I think for a brand like MBNF, which produces a limited amount of pieces each year you know limited quantities are produced limited um, and so you, you really have control over maybe your stock and, and and the time that you can spend on each of the pieces that you have I think that is possible and I, I really like that you know Max's sort of idea there but then you think about you know watch companies like Rolex or Omega or or, or um, even to some extent Patek Fleet when you get these pieces a lot of people actually do end up flipping it and there's a long process that many retailers have to ensure that the the purchasers are not going to flip them i know many retailers or i know some retailers who actually make you sign when you acquire certain pieces they make you sign a you know basically a legal document that says i'm not going to sell this within x amount of years to avoid the the idea that the, that that those watches would be flipped for for more than what they're um more than what they sold at at, at market price. Um, I think it's hard for for brands like Rolex to do something like that when they're producing. I think it's about four million a year, four, four million watches a year. Um, but I I think that's another sort of head nod to independent watch companies who can sort of control their pieces and control their stock and be a little bit more have more oversight into who gets the pieces and, and who who doesn't. 
Um, so quite an interesting, interesting sort of discussion that he brought about. And I started thinking about this in, in terms of like how it applies to the vintage world, because obviously vintage watch is something I, I, I am passionate about. And I think there's a lot more oversight on that because it's very easy, you know, when you're, when you're selling, let's, you know, you're selling big watch, when you're selling, you know, big watches at auction, you're documenting everything, right? Serial numbers, case numbers, all of it. And so if a watch like that ends up going, um, you know, being purchased and then maybe trying to be sold very, very soon afterwards, um, it's very easy to trace. It's very easy to say, oh, look, it's the, serial, it's the case number, serial number of the watch that sold six months ago and we've already seen this at auction and this is how much it went for and, you know, do we really think it's gone, it's, it's appreciated uh, in value at all? So uh, I think the vintage world, it's a lot easier to be sort of play detective and know, you know, what's, what's, what's happening. But watch companies don't really have claims over that. I think at the end of the day, it ends up being the auction houses who sort of have to claim that responsibility of tracking. Um, and then obviously buyers who are in the market. And, and I'm talking about, you know, the, the real exceptional pieces that, that are extremely rare. It's very easy to figure out, you know, what's, what's going on. You oftentimes see in the listings on, on, on the auction, you know, on the auction websites, them saying like, this is a first to market uh, piece, you know, never been seen before. That's because they know the serial numbers of that reference that have been sold. Um, and so it's, it's quite interesting, uh, quite an interesting comment. I do find it to go back just to the original impetus to close out this podcast. Uh, I, I, it's, it's interesting to, well, for me, it's, it's unfortunate, um, that these pieces are being flipped for so much because, um, there are people out there that would love to have a mad one. Um, but unfortunately, um, these watches are listed for uh, <laughs> just obscene amounts uh, that, that don't make sense. Um, and in a way, it's sort of a slap in the face to, to the brand that produced them uh, and the, the vision that Max had for, for what these watches were meant to celebrate. But we're not going to end on a bad note. I, I, I'm following it because I really love the... I, I love MBNF. It's my favorite watch company and... and um, and uh, yeah, just um, quite an interesting comment from Max in that in that uh, video. If I can find a link, I, I believe it was from um, the video that I was watching was Grail Watch, uh, their release of the Resonance uh, with Alan Silverstein. They did a collaboration and, and Max was sort of there to receive the watch. Um, so I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well because it, it, was, a, it was a nice video. Um, so uh, I'll tip my hat to Wei. You did a very nice job with, with, with that video with Max. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast. Um, if you are new to the podcast and you like watches, we discuss an array of topics in the watch world. So be sure to follow this podcast if you are interested in hearing these. Let us know what you think about this podcast. You can hit us up on our social medias. There'll be a link in the description to our website and all of our social media platforms if you want to follow us there. Head over to our YouTube channel where we post videos every week uh, if you are interested in, in, in checking those out. If you wouldn't mind rating this podcast and you're feeling generous, it really does help us out and adapt this podcast to um, support the vision that you have and the topics that you want us to discuss. And with that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.